the time has come for a climbing adventure. Better yet, a falling adventure. But first, we should check and make sure our allies are okay. Is it just me, or has Arco been acting weird lately? There's nowhere left to go but down. We listen to episode 27 of Taz Graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Taz. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Taz, your weekly journey through the worlds of the Adventure Zone graduation. With you, as always, is me, your host and producer, PJ. And with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Lauren. Hello. Lauren, what'd you think of this episode? I really liked it. It got very intense just between the boys. So I got anxious, but I like where it's going. What did you think? I'm curious where it's going. Like, this was intense, but, like, I, I, it almost felt like I was never fully reeled in. Like, okay. they clearly got me on the hook. But, like, I'm like, are you just going to leave me here dangling in the water? Or are you going to, like... I mean, and towards the right at the end of the episode, they finally, like, yanked me out of the water, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for most of the episode, I was like, okay, let's, let's go. <laughs> are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. That makes sense. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So Fitzroy, Master Fearbog, and Argo stand on the edge of the God's Car chasm, the depths of which are obscured by swirling mist. Argo's vision goes fuzzy, and he starts to sway, but is able to grab Fitzroy for balance. He then notices that his other hand is holding Florence, which has been stabbed through Fitzroy's ribs. And I was oh like, what? God, I know. I was so stressed out. Like, <laughs> not even five minutes in. And I was like, excuse me? And as Fitzroy looks at him confused, he stumbles into the chasm, clearly dying. And as Master Fearbowl goes to speak, Argo draws the blade across his throat. Oh, and he smiles. And I was like, all right, well, clearly we're in like some sort of dream sequence because no thank you i know i was like okay either this is some terrifying mind control right now or it's a dream sequence which we find out it's a dream sequence but like that was so stressful yeah he wakes up back in their dorm and for a few minutes he can't remember what's real and what's a dream uh but he's soon able to calm himself down and he kind of remembers his dream uh, he goes around the dorm looking for his roommates but they aren't in their rooms and there's a note on the counter that tells him that Fitzroy and the fear book are out running errands and they ask him to prep their climbing gear for an adventure later. After a failed wisdom save, a voice in Argo's head tells him that his friends don't appreciate him. And he just slows them down. And I was like, that's the voice in my head all the time. <laughs> that not that everyone's voice yeah. in their head? Isn't that what their brain tells everyone all the time? Especially So for yours. me, it's not even like uh, your friends don't appreciate you. It's you don't deserve your friends and they shouldn't appreciate you. Oh my god that's sad i don't go i don't go that far but i also don't go through what you go through a depression baby baby <laughs> master fearbulk heads down to the library to check on sabor and the information he's gotten so far he admits to being kind of distracted lately and having a hard time sleeping because he's had nightmares about being controlled and about hell and gray and he's thinking gray is more powerful than they initially thought and i'm like yeah he's like a hell lord yeah you think he was like a (laughs) nothing like right no he controls an entire dimension in hell so i'm surprised you didn't think he was this powerful he continues that he's become more irritable and isn't sure what's affecting him directly but it's having negative effects on his psyche when pressed for more details he says he's seen the school decay and turn into a hellscape and is worried nothing not even gathering information will help them win but is unsure if this is his own conclusion or a direct link to his altered mental state when he's asked if there's any weapons they might be able to use uh he says they'll have to use subterfuge to get them because gray has had influence over heroes and villains for 50 years and honestly he could have a million ties in the heroic oversight guild which we've definitely mentioned as a big obstacle for them before yeah we've talked about that i guess kind of a lot in past episodes about we don't know how far gray's reach really goes but he's had 50 years to 
to mess things up. So I don't know. Maybe this was a recap, but I'm like, Sabor, I don't know how you didn't think that this was a thing. Well, because I mean, people just don't know about this, you know, like Sabor is learning this for the first time in a way. That's true. I guess that is in character for Sabor to have all these realizations. Yeah. I only feel this because you have to do this with our D&D group so much that this was Travis's way of being like, hey, Sabor was like mind controlled by Gray and he's not okay. Argo oh, 100%. might not That's be okay exactly either. Yeah. yeah. Travis was like, hey, check on your friend because you've had to do this for us before but also you guys are so bad sometimes we're so we're like i feel like you guys immediately would have been like isn't he acting weird and i would have been like there's no reason you would think that (laughs) like i swear i would i would have him be like mind controlled and immediately you would all be like wow it's so weird how i've never trusted him before Wow, he said hi. He's never said hi before. I want to do a spell to see if he's mind controlled right now. <laughs> I'm going to hit him with something so that he'll be unmind controlled. <laughs> and I'm always like, stop it. There's no reason you would think that. <laughs> like one time we had, I had one of our characters get swapped out by a doppelganger. And literally the second she came down, uh, the doppelganger at least came down and she was like, all right, guys, there was something up there. Let's go. Everyone was like, well, I want to go check. I don't trust them. And I'm like, you've always implicitly trusted this character. Why yeah. would you stop now? And they're like, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, also, like, I'm going to hurt them. And I was like, there's no reason for you to want to hurt them. I instantly thought of that night. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's it's honestly hard not to metagame, right? I'm because like so you know, you it. know the information, and it's hard not to be like, well, my character knows that information too. Yeah. No, I'm I am very very bad at metagaming. You are not. I if don't know my how character you do it. doesn't know it, I, like you know, part of the thing too, like if it's not in my notes and I forget, if I misremember it, then my character misremembers it. Like that's also my thing with you guys. Like that's why I try not to like be a guiding hand for you as much. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you guys will misremember stuff that I said or write your notes wrong or something. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's like being like, this is where we go. And in my head, I'm like, that's not where you go. But out loud, I'm just like, okay, if that's where you want to go. Because like at the end of the day, if you wrote your notes wrong, then your character is going to remember it wrong, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to get better about only taking notes for things that my character's present for. So that way I don't metagame as much. But there's even been times where I've written notes down, like in their, not our current dungeon, but the dungeon before where we had to keep calling that one character to be like, hey, so like, what's our mission again? Because what I had written down was (laughs) definitely not what we were supposed to be doing. And I was like, okay, sorry for calling you 500 times. And also sometimes it's just semantics, right? And it's fair to ask for semantics because like, I think part of that one was like destroy like the evil creations and -hmm. you guys were like, all right, destroy everything in this place. And I was like, that's a fair read of what I said. Destroy the machine making them. Here's my clarification. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you guys called her again, she's like, you don't need to destroy everything. I didn't say you needed to go on a murder campaign. (laughs) And we were like, oh. But that wasn't even me being like, why'd you guys think that? Like, I understood why you thought it, but Mm -hmm. I was like me being like oh okay i get it let me clarify exactly yeah dnd is a weird game sometimes it can be it also i mean we're not playing it professionally right so like we're allowed to be bad at stuff we're not i thought we were playing professionally am i oh, not getting i mean paid are you getting this? a paycheck because i'm not getting a paycheck and if anyone deserves a paycheck no i i mean i thought it was gonna be like you know when we hit it big they're gonna give us money all that the money was what... that we've been out yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's what that's why I, I thought it was working I don't get paid for anything I do. And you should. I mean, it's mostly because I don't have a job right now. But all the things I still do. Sometimes I'm like, man, editing podcasts is really hard. I wish someone would pay me to do this. I pay you in friendship. (laughs) You do pay me in friendship. (laughs) 
but like you know the ideal goal is to eventually get to like a point where we have enough of an audience that we could potentially have like sponsors and stuff right oh right 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 but i don't necessarily know that'll ever happen here just because we're literally just like a talk back show but i have my other podcast and i could just pretend that if that one gets successful enough when i get money from it that that's also paying my salary to edit this one (laughs) Because this is like my passion project. This is the one I do for love. The other one I also do for love, but I could see it potentially one day being like, what makes me famous and rich? Sure. Yeah, no, I would agree with you 100%. I think if we ever made like a different podcast, we might be able to get famous and rich. What, you and me? Yeah. Look at this. This is great. Look at this banter. Look at this this chemistry. But like, you know, we're just here talking about a podcast that came out like three months ago. It's like, it's casual. Just... <laughs> talk back from 500 years ago because time is i mean i feel like we've made it very clear on this podcast like we do this for fun like even if no one listened we would still be doing this Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. but it is great that you guys listen we love it yeah thank you so much but let's get back to this podcast that we love doing so much (laughs) let's do Fitzroy has been asked to check in with festo and i was like hell yes festo i have missed festo so much he hedges around the field trip to the chasm, saying he needs some impressive magic to counteract whatever he's going to go up against, because they are the source of his powers and are malevolent. Festo says they want to investigate Snippers. Victor admits that he left Snippers uh, uh, to the moon and back. Uh, I was so... I mean, we I know mean, this. I mean, they've gotten closer. Like, we've seen them get closer. Yeah, because I remember very vividly when Fitzroy first got Snippers and how indifferent he was, and then eventually he was calling him, like, his best boy, and, like, he's like, no, I love you too. But as soon as Festo's like, can I look at Snippers? Fitzroy's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you going to do with my my beautiful, beloved crab? Yeah. <laughs> it's so sweet. And the reason Festo wants to investigate Snippers is to be able to determine what sort of magic Fitzroy has recently come in contact with. When asked directly about chaos, Festo says they have heard rumors of chaos, but they haven't been seen for centuries, and it shook the chaos is spoken directly to Fitzroy, very understandably. Yeah, no, I mean, chaos is kind of like um, a deity, right? I and mean, it's have... more like a like a concept, like a like the living embodiment of a concept. That's more right? accurate. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, to have them speak to someone directly is especially when you get to the end scary. of this episode. Yes, when you meet uh, <laughs> when you meet Nega Chaos, Nega Chaos. <laughs> essentially yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but obviously that makes it very clear like these are like you know abstract concepts positioning their influence on the world Mm -hmm. because they are concepts themselves like they can't do anything other than influence exactly yeah there's a lot of characters like this in comics but at some point they always can like actually just be like characters like that fight and die and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah because there's chaos is um someone we've seen in the dreamscape right so they seem to have some sort of corporeal form at least in the dreamscape world Ooh, it's an interesting question i mean speaking of the fa- i mean we're jumping ahead a little bit but that's fine <laughs> yeah now sure. that we have second chaos aka order aka yeah which one do you think was the pearlescent figure they saw when they were leaving the hell dimension <gasps> Ooh. okay okay so travis said that fitzroy saw into the godscar chasm it was something leaving or... through the godscar chasm Okay, and then there was the figure. And it was like shaped like chaos because it was like nine feet tall, pearlescent, all the chaos things. But if this thing looks almost exactly the same, which one do you think it was? Oh my God. I have always assumed that it was just chaos. I didn't even think that. Now we have another player on on the board, you know? Oh my God. Maybe it was order. Who knows? Because Travis didn't, he just described them. And I was like, oh, obviously chaos. Obviously it's chaos, right? Because that's the only one we knew. Right. But 
Travis would have called him out as chaos because we know who chaos is. Oh yeah. my God, maybe it's we'll Arthur. See. Maybe we'll find out next episode. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> they asked if Fitzroy was able to use magic when he visited the crypt, and he was because he'd used his thunderstep. He did. And Festo is curious to that since the crypt is impervious to magic, and he thinks that if chaos really was the source of Fitzroy's powers, then he shouldn't have been able to use his magic there, which is, you know, curious. Huh. Yeah, that because Gordy did mention like, oh, I'm so sorry, you can't use any magic here. And I didn't think anything of it at the time, but Fitzroy did use Thunderstep. Maybe, you know, he just wasn't in the room with all the runes on the wall yet. So, you know, because, you know, when you're in a room oh, with yeah, runes, like... only the witch who casts the runes can use magic there. Right, right. Yep, yep. It's we... not a reference to anything in particular. No, that's not a reference to anything at all. It's just common sense. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fitzroy then asks Festo for a spell to aid them in protecting them from falling. And Festo gives them a golden eagle feather, which has feather fall, which is a cute little thing. That's so cute. Fitzroy immediately tested by hurling himself out the window, but the feather only had one charge. <laughs> <laughs> so Fitzroy was safe in his fall and runs back up to get another feather from Festo. But there's only one charge, which is powerful enough to cast over all three Thundermen. That's totally something I would do where I'm like, wow, that sucks. That's the only charge you have. <laughs> Like, I obviously I would then be so like hard. no obviously I'll give you another one but it's like how so many times that you guys do almost anything I'm like wow guess what you died you died immediately you do that with me specifically I do it with Nox a lot too because Nox yeah, is a sewer foolhardy for you I do it jokingly because you're so timid I'm the opposite yeah no I'm the like, one you guys who are complete so opposites ends of the spectrum yeah you like I... have to take like eight minutes of planning before you open a door that you've heard that you've already done a perception check in and know that it's like an empty room from just the noise. <laughs> and you still have to be like, all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to open the door and then we're going to uh, use darkness. a clairvoyance to see what's <laughs> behind the door, even though we already opened the door because we don't actually want to be seen. So that mm-hmm. something does run out, like that's your planning. <laughs> and then for Jacob as Knox, I'll literally just be like, so there's the door. And he's like, I open it. I kick it open right now. <laughs> <laughs> what's inside? I want to see. I want to fight. Yeah, no, he and I are the two ends of the spectrum where he is so trigger happy and i'm so trigger scared. Shy. yes <laughs> because like i think torshar obviously falls more i think torshar falls more on your end of the spectrum mm-hmm. grover falls more on nox's end of the spectrum and i think clove is like a perfect middle ground yeah in theory we balance each other out very very well yes and I like having it because sometimes everyone gets a little too trigger shy. And I'm like, please, someone just open one of these four doors. And then <laughs> Knox is like, got it. Kick. <laughs> Can I please get a waffle? I just need someone to make a choice right now, please. <laughs> you, I, I literally can't continue the story until someone does something. So please, dear God, just do something. I don't care what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's all fun i love having the spectrum right because it gives it makes it so you guys aren't always being foolhardy like on the knocks end of the spectrum but it makes it so that we're not always just you know waiting around to make a decision silas <laughs> if it was up to silas he would open and close every door immediately that is literally his mo I'm like i open it you see this nope don't want that close it on to the next one <laughs> Yeah, that's what I've started doing, which is more realistic, but I realized I could do it for no, like, I don't know how this ever crossed my brain where I was like, all right, well, just because you close the doors doesn't mean they're not going to chase you. So like, you've got two rounds before they break through the door. Yeah. (laughs) Because like for a while I was like, all right, you close the door, moving on. Yeah, no. I was like, you... wait a minute. No, there's 22 direwolves in this room. You don't get to just close the door and leave. You've, no, yeah, you've started playing back to us, with us, I guess is a better word for it. but. 
it's more it's realistic and I, it makes sense and i'm like yeah no i did this thing there could be consequences it makes sense <laughs> that's a way to do D D, right kids add consequences add consequences Hello everyone, it's me, PJ, your fruitful foe, here as always to thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you're enjoying this episode. Just a quick note up top, unless there's any major news or notes in any upcoming Monday episodes, they will have a more generic pre-recorded interlude just to remind you to follow and share the podcast. Friday, we will keep up the conversation as well as continue to ask our question of the week. This way, with two episodes a week, we ideally avoid getting redundant. Well, with one less round of announcements a week, you'll want to stay up to date by keeping up with us on social media. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TalkinTaz. On Facebook, you can also find the official TalkinTaz group where you can interact with us as well as other fans of the podcast. Or go to our website, talkin-taz.pinecast.co, for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. If you're enjoying the show, tell your friends about it and leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. No major notes from this episode. And we will keep the question from this Monday, skip a question on this coming Monday, and have a new question for you again next Friday. Now, back to the podcast. So we move back. There's a bit where Clint, the planeswalking janitor, mm-hmm. makes another appearance. And just as <laughs> they've officially confirmed the McElroy universe, which, I mean, I love that the McElroy cinematic universe would also just be the MCU. Oh, my God, it would. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe it oh has been all along. It has been all along. The McElroys are behind everything. Oh, my God. But, but he, he seems- did forget, though, about justin mcelroy yes they have i was i was that's literally what i was about to say i was like they do forget that the first time they went to barnes and nobles they ran into clint and justin they did and it was cool like 90s justin yeah windbreaker wearing justin like we had a whole thing with justin and then clint came in and then travis got big mad at clint being there yeah and now we know that clint mcelroy is a nexus being oh is that where this is leading yeah Clint McElroy is a Nexus big. He's going to be in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. <gasps> oh my God. Has he been the one behind WandaVision the whole time? <laughs> it was Clint all along. <laughs> no, but there is a Clint. There's a Clint Barton. So you'd have to. That's true. It's Clint McElroy all along. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. And I'm just throwing this out here again. We're just kind of going on tangents here. Sure. Today. Why not? Yeah. There's a rumor. And I kind of hope it's true that um, as they go through Multiverse of Madness, they're going to encounter several actors that were almost cast in roles in other universe where they are that. So like there's <gasps> a rumor that they're going to be in a world where like Tom Cruise is Iron Man. Oh my God. Uh, and stuff like that, which I hope is true. I think that would be so fun. Even if it's just like a flash, you know, like a little like as they're going through worlds, we get like a five second cameo of Tom Cruise in an Iron Man suit or, you know, oh my um, God. Jensen Ackles in a Captain America outfit or something like that, you know? Oh my God. I would. T- that would. I hope that's true. I hope that's true. And it's not just like, like fans you know, speculation and rumor. I mean, at some point we'll know the answer. <laughs> but if we manifest it right now. Yeah. If we speak Everyone it, lend us your energy. Let's have the multiverse with the multicasts of the MCU. There's even, and Dr. I think Shane. this is less likely, but someone was like, yeah, I could see them making like a like multiversal Avengers team to like fight against like Nightmare or, or whoever the villain of Multiverse of Madness is. And I was like, that'd be cool. 
that seems less likely, but that'd be cool. If we speak it into being, <laughs> it will happen. If you build it, they will come sort of thing. Also, can I just say I'm super excited for journals? Yeah, it's going to be super cool. Word around town, like just like from industry insiders, are that uh, that the the heads of Marvel Studios were like blown away and super impressed with the what the the finished product they saw. I'm so excited! I can't wait. Can we fast forward? I wish we could fast forward. We lost a year. I wish we could. We had that like stocked up. You know, like we had like 365 charges to skip a day. Oh wow! Oh wow! That'd be cool. Ugh, but we don't. So we have to go back to talking about other people's magic. Well, maybe you don't. Well, if you do, let me know. (laughs) I'll take you with me. I'd give you some of my charges. (laughs) The three boys rejoin with one another and head to the Godscar Chasm. There's some mild small talk as they travel. Argo's a little upset that he was left behind in the dorm, and Master Fearbulk is unwilling to divulge why he had to return to his clan. As they approach the chasm, they come across Hieronymus, the one who Travis reminds us looked happier as a dog, which is super depressing. Yeah, that's super sad. But also, like... I've thought about this before. Like, my dog lives the cushiest life in the world. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't have to have a job. She doesn't no. have to exercise. Like, obviously, I make her exercise. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, even then, like, she wants to. She wants to play all the time. You know, she wants. She just gets to sit there and have me feed her, have me play with her. I pick up her poop. Like, she has nothing to do in this world other than be pampered. Yeah, it's true. I've thought about that, too, about all the, like, my parents pets and then the pets that i live with that's a pretty nice life they don't have to worry about money or you know where their next meal is coming from i worry about that sometimes but they don't have to worry they about don't that. Know. they yeah. don't know they have no idea so maybe you know as sad as it is he probably was happier as a dog yeah he just got to be pet all day and you know eat food it was great. hang out with his brother no one pets you when you're a grown man do you want to be pet PJ. I don't think I do. As, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, I would be so weirded out if someone came up and pet me. <laughs> Give you tummy rubs? That I would probably assault someone if they tummy <laughs> rubbed me. <laughs> like if a stranger came up and rubbed my belly, I would like fight them. Physically. Who's a good boy? If my wife did it, I'd be like, it's me. I'm the good boy. <laughs> well, that's different. She's my wife. But Travis that's also- That's my wife. That's my wife wife travis makes a point he's like please don't ever touch a dog that isn't yours without asking permission oh 100 especially and this is you know aimed at anyone listening that has done this especially if they're a service dog oh my god yes you can't they're working they have like signs all over them that are like please don't touch me i'm working and people still try they always try. They're like, can I pay your dog? And the, then some poor blind person has to be like, no. And then everyone's like, wow, I didn't know you were so mean. And it's like, they're not being mean. It's not mean. God, you're mean. Ay, ay, ay. We're getting Any- so worked up about this. <laughs> <laughs> Hieronymus seems surprised to see the boys there. Uh, when asked, Hero admits to trying to work up the strength to explore the God's Carcassum, but can't seem to manage it. But he says he's glad the boys are there as he's been meaning to talk to them. He kind of is just like, hey, I'm sorry that you have to clean up my mess and that you kind of have to fight my war, but it's not his fault. It's 100% not his fault. He was, first of all, killed by a spell that should have killed, like targeted by a spell, excuse me, that should have killed him, but then got turned into a dog and was unable to do anything about it. It's Higglemas' fault. Yeah, if anything. That makes me sad. I know it's because he's my fave, but like, yeah, yeah, I get it. It is. Fitzroy does comfort him and says they are going to go to the chasm themselves. So to leave the exploration to them. And they do ask him if he can go to the Heroic Recite Guild and secure some demon slaying weapons from them, which is a smart plan. Very smart. Because, because... I mean, he's Hieronymus Wiggins staff. Like, what are exactly. they going to do? Say no? 
And Gray has been disguised as Hieronymus yeah. for the past 50 years, so that makes perfect sense. And if they say no, then you know who's allied with, you know, Gray. That's true. Yeah, no, the, I was super into this plan. I was like, ooh, yes, send Hegelmas, or not Hegelmas, Hieronymus. That's a really good idea. He seems super excited at the prospect of this. And they say like, hey, you know, go with Althea, get what we need. And he's like, hell yes, I'm ready to help. I'm ready to do what I can in this war effort. And he gives them a climbing potion. He I wish I could him. have potions that helped me be good at like regular activities. Because it's not like it's a flying potion or a feather fall potion. It's like, this makes you better at climbing. Like, I wish <laughs> I had like an editing potion that was like, here, this will make you better at editing. This will temporarily freeze time or like haste, right? You'll move twice as fast and you'll be able to get twice as much done. You'll be exhausted afterwards. But for this amount of time, you'll be double as productive. I mean, that's that's, that's probably what cocaine is, but... <laughs> Like, now that you mention it, that's probably exactly why people do cocaine. Yeah, some of our listeners are like, you know, that's just like drugs, right? <laughs> I, I used to joke all the time that the only way I'd ever make it in business is if I started doing cocaine. And now it's like, oh, maybe that is an option. Not a good option, <laughs> but like, it is an option. I mean, all things are options. That's true. You just decide which one to do and yeah. have the consequences that come with it. Don't do drugs. <laughs> Speaking of consequences, we go back right like where we started, and we have the three boys standing at the edge of the Godscar chasm, the depths of which, again, uh, obscured by swirling mist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as Fitzroy is peering down into the chasm, uh, he sees something out of the corner of his eyes, and it's Argo drawing his blade with a different look in his eyes. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's happening! Master Fearball catches on to this as well, and Thorn whips Argo's wrist, <laughs> which is a success and stops him from his attempt. Oh my god. Uh, Fitzroy says that Argo hasn't seemed like himself lately, and they need to hash out any ill feelings he's experiencing. Which is so funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, I know you just tried to murder me, but maybe we have a little feeling sesh. <laughs> hey, you just tried to murder me. How does that make you feel, Argo? Can we talk <laughs> about this for a second? Argo says he isn't sure why he was pulling out his weapon, or what's been going on lately. So Fitzroy asks if he can cast a spell to check out what's going on with him. Which I like that he got consent. Yeah, no, consent is sexy. <laughs> consent is sexy. Argo <laughs> is very reluctant and starts to put up a fight. Uh, and Master Fearbog apologizes to Argo and without consent, but very necessary at the time, casts hold person on him. Oh, God. Which uh, he fails on the save and mm -hmm. he tells Fitzroy that they need to figure out what's going on. I mean, listen, you always anticipate there's going to be like some combat or some interrogation when it comes to D&D. You don't expect it to be within your own party or at least i don't i always anticipate we will be doing these things to others in the campaign so when it's inter-party it stresses me out yeah fitzroy casts a spell and is able to hear argo's surface thoughts which are help me <laughs> so he probes deeper and encounters a barrier that he's able to get through argo's mind seems very much like the hellscape and gray is there turning to greet fitzroy who immediately casts thunderwave <laughs> knocking him back <laughs> Uh, he's I like, I mean, realistically, I don't think I would do anything different. Like, yeah, you've clearly no. proven what your, you know, what your intentions are. I'm not going to not attack you. Yeah. No, it's Fitzroy very tells Gray for. to stop cheating. Yes. And Gray seems shocked that Fitzroy has any sort of power here and to have been affected by it, which is understandable. Like, it's kind of like um, in Marvel Comics, Mephisto in his own realm is nigh uh, intouchable, mm -hmm. all powerful almost uh immortal mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. People like the Living Tribunal or Eternity might be able to probably knock his rocker off in his own dimension, mm-hmm. but most heroes or villains wouldn't be able to. But when he's outside of his hellscape, he gets weaker and weaker every day, but he's still, you know, Mephisto. It's kind of like Dracula. Yes, yeah, kind of similar, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, I, I get it. He's probably supposed to be all-powerful in his realm. Yeah. And, I mean, I think he's just not accounting for the fact that they have the same magic source. That's true, yeah. Chaos is not just the one thing they have in common, but where they get the magic from. It makes sense that that magic would be able to combat his, kind of like the wands in Harry Potter. Voldemort mm-hmm. and Harry Potter's wand had the same core, so they couldn't, ultimately, they couldn't defeat each other. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Grey really dismisses this thing. Even from the beginning when like Fitzroy was like, wow, you told me we have the same power source. Like that was a dumb move on you. And he's like, it's really not going to matter at all. And it's like, oh no, consequences. I like that though, because Grey hasn't had anyone. No, for sure. Really come up against him. So of course he's going to be this arrogant, right? It fits him perfectly. Yeah, it's great. Great character choice. Um, and the second there are consequences. He rips a hole in space-time and leaves. Yeah, he just leaves. <laughs> and this kicks Fitzroy out of Argo's mind. This has helped Argo get his mind back, and he can yeah. sort of feel hell on the edges of his mind, but it's definitely receded. But he feels much more in control, and he now realizes he was being influenced by Grey. Argo mm-hmm. thanks his friends, saying he hasn't felt like himself for a few days, and he's not sure that this is over, but he does feel better now. Fitzroy asks if Argo is going to be able to keep a lock on this, and Argo feels confident. Fitzroy pulls out the feather, which uh, Travis does say Fitzroy is putting a lot of faith in Festo, but I would too. Like, he's like the magic professor for all heroes and villains. Like, yeah. What's he going to be bad at magic? Right. Festo has tenure, right? Then again, the only he has tenure. What are they going to do to him if he lied and gave him a fake feather? <laughs> the feather didn't work. Oh, well, magic be like that sometimes. I don't know what to tell you. But even, yeah, even Fitzroy was like, Festo wouldn't do anything to hurt me. Yeah, and I, I mean, I agree with that. Festo is mm-hmm. just a party guy or a party they. Yeah, I guess it would be a party they, wouldn't it? A party fairy? Because they're not a person. I mean, all fairies are party fairies. <laughs> That's what we've established. It's true. And Festo doesn't even party as hard as a lot of the other fairies. Apparently. Oh, God. But with Festo's feather, well, not Festo's feather, uh, <laughs> they jump into the chasm. All three float down gently, but once they sink below the mist, things begin to change. Their color scheme changes to ash and slate, the air bitter, and the whole area has the same noxious atmosphere as hell. Yikes. There's a massive portal torn into the air below, and it seems to be continuously expanding. Standing before the portal, there's a humanoid figure with opalescent skin facing away from the boys. He turns to them, smile on his face, all wide eyes twinkling. Saying they've looked forward to meeting them. And obviously at this point, I was like, we've met before, sir. Right? I was like, excuse me. It's so funny because I feel like they all missed it because like they didn't really react to that. So Travis again was like, I'm sorry. I'm excited to finally meet you. (laughs) Wink, wink. I'm not who you think I am. Hello. (laughs) And they introduce themselves. Uh, Once again, similar to Chaos going, but like I've gone by many names. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But this is not Chaos. This is Order. And with that very ominous introduction, the episode fades. Oh, man. So we do get a little outro moment of Justin singing a wonderful parody of where will you, where were you when the world stopped turning? Oh, is that what the parody was? Yeah. Okay. I did not recognize the song. It was new to me. Have you heard Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning? No, I've not before. It's a song like it's a it's a song about nine eleven. It came out like right after it. It's a very oh. sad song, but like it was like, you know, 
it was like people could like rally behind it during this that very difficult time. Sure. And it's like, you know, where were you when the world stopped hurting? Where were you on that cold September morning? Mm. You know, it's it's a whole song. They parodied South Park at one point, which was super funny. But that's what I think this is a parody of. Because it was the where were you when my dad killed his sons? Or it's like, where were you when my dad tried to kill me? <laughs> Which is how that one goes too. Like it was a okay. little different in beat, but I think that's what he was referencing. Okay, yeah, I just thought it was the song. I was like, PJ will probably know this, and you did. Yes. <laughs> PJ knows everything, just like by the way. I don't know everything, but I do know things. <laughs> a lot, a lot of things. And you know what else I know? That that's mm. all we have for you guys this week. It is. That's the end. Uh, I, you know, again, I really enjoyed this episode. It reeled me in right at the end. But for a long time, I was like, when are we getting there? When are we getting there? When are we getting there? Oh, yeah. No, there was definitely some times where it was like, okay, yeah, we're we're rehashing. We're getting ready for this field trip. But as soon as Argo went for Fitzroy and the boys were like talking about stuff, I was like, okay, this is it. This is the really cool, intense part. Yeah. And I'm excited to meet Order, see what they have to say, see what they're all about. Yeah, honestly. I really think you were right that, especially now that we've seen that Order is like literally standing in the Godscar chasm, that's probably who Fitzroy saw in hell. Yeah, I'm curious. But we'll find out next week. Uh, but until then, I've been PJ. I've been Lauren. And we'll see you next Thursday when we are once again talking Taz. Uh-huh.